What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, former Eastern Michigan Eagle, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. You already know the deal. Just win, baby. Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Uh, we're back after another great week of college football action. I bring you a quick review of the action, but then we're going to dive into uh, what's been our week of mock drafts. There's lots of articles going out from the from, from all of us, really, um, over here at the Full 10 Yards. And also got a bit of a group thing going on on the podcast. That's going to be the main focus of tonight, where we're going to kind of pick apart, pick each other's brains. And uh, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be taking the piss out of some outliers as well when they come on down the line. Uh, boys, welcome, welcome you in. We've got Andy, Kieran and Liam with us so far. Rob will join us a little bit later on, so if you hear him towards the end but not the beginning, we didn't just forget him. He's just joined us a bit late. So, how is everyone? All right? Yeah, good. Yeah. Who's win? That's what we like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, we're not Patriots talking. haven't we, played yet, so I'm... Uh, we don't talk about mood. the NFL on this podcast, I'm sorry. No, about. we don't have to talk about the NFL <laughs> on this podcast, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not been a happy, uh, it's not a happy weekend for a few of us, is it? But uh, anyway, less of that. So yeah, we'll get into our games and we're getting nice and early because we want to get onto the the draft stuff. Um, so Liam, we talk us to talk to us about Florida versus Georgia. Yeah, the uh, builders, the big SEC East decider, wasn't it? Florida and Georgia mm. in Jacksonville. Um, Defense is kind of expected anyway to be the name of this game coming in, but it was. Um, it was a really high-scoring game, um, much against what I thought would be. Um, the first quarter was uh, started off really quickly by Georgia. Um, got a couple of quick touchdowns in. Um, Zamir White ran in one. Uh, Stetson mm. Bennett made it 14 nothing with a long touchdown throw uh, to young receiver Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, but he suffered a bad injury um, that became a story early in the game, completing uh, that play. That was 14 nothing. Um, Florida then came back 14 all by the end of the first. Um, into the second, Kyle Trask, who had a really good game, but uh, start of the second, he got picked off by Eric Stokes, who, um, with uh, some blocks, some help, ran it all the way back for a pick six and 21 nothing. Sorry, 21 14 uh, to Georgia. Um, and from then on, uh, Georgia's defense kind of uh, went away. They had uh, some noticeable names missing. Um, but uh, up to that point, it had uh, made a game of it. But uh, then Florida's offense really got rolling. Uh, 24 points, second quarter. Uh, got them a 38-21 halftime lead. Um, the tail of the game then became about the uh, quarterbacks. Um, on Georgia's side, Stetson Bennett struggled more and more. And uh, it became a matter of time, it seemed, before he was benched, which he was uh, for redshirt freshman Dewan Mathis who uh, did throw a touchdown in the third, but he did look a bit uh, shaky and a bit out of his his depth. Um, on the other side, uh, Carl Trask uh, got better and better and uh, had a great game. The stat line uh, was uh, uh, 30, complete 43. Um, he did, although he had a pick six, he threw four touchdowns and 474 yards, which uh, is a, a personal best for Trask, um, a record in a Florida-Georgia game and only eight yards shy of Tim Tebow's Florida Gators yards in the game record. Um, And they ran out 44-28 winners 
and uh, big favourites now to win the SEC East. Yeah, it's a, it a big statement win, wasn't it? Two, like you say, two big um, big teams in that division going head to head. Yeah. Yeah, just I'm, I'm going to praise Florida while uh, Rob isn't here, so I can't stroke <laughs> his ego too much. But Florida, this is the best Florida have looked in maybe 10 years. They have been fantastic. Like since Tebow was there, this is the best they've looked in a long, long time. And just want to mention uh, Kyle Pitts as well, because that guy is a freak athlete. Like, uh, yeah. Early in the game, he had made one grab, but it was the most impressive grab of the game uh, at that point. He just, he really has a nose for the ball in a way that you don't tend to see with a lot of tight ends. But I, I think I think he's the full package and probably the best tight end we're seeing come out of college in, in a good few years. Yeah, he got taken out of the game by a, a late hit, didn't he? And um, yeah. Is, uh, I mean, there was a couple of really nice uh, touchdown grabs for Florida, and uh, yeah, as you say, his was uh, his was a really nice one. They really tested uh, Tyson Campbell, didn't they, in the Georgia secondary? I uh, yeah, I don't want to jinx him, but he uh, reminds me of f- fellow Florida alum Aaron Hernandez in the way he plays because he's super athletic. Yeah, I know the the jokes, but he's super athletic. He's super fast. He's got great hands, mm. and yeah, I know it's a poor comparison to make, but both of us were studs at college. So yeah, from the playing it's time, just, so yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive yeah. to see him play. Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's questionable against Arkansas this weekend, so it's be, be, it remains to be seen whether he'll be playing next weekend. But I think for... I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about drafts and things like that later on, but money's in the bank now, isn't it, for Kyle Trask? He's pretty much destined to be a first-round quarterback... Uh, first-round tight end, sorry. Hopefully, he's not going to be a first-round quarterback. That'd be right turn of events, wouldn't it? <laughs> so those um, two Kyles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my excuse, Liam. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> um, Kieran, you're going to take us to your local team again. I think you've been talking about them quite a bit recently, haven't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to jinx them because apparently every team I, I, I sort of co-sign is just having a bit of trouble. Uh, sorry, Liam, it happened to your guys this weekend. But uh, we're going to talk on Cincinnati Bearcats because they have been nothing short of fantastic again. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Ritter, though, not his best game. Uh, only 162 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but he did put up three touchdowns on the ground, went for over 100 yards. Kid's just a fantastic athlete. We we obviously spoke about last week how in shape he's looking and how quarterbacks aren't supposed to look like that. And he's not like Jaden Daniels level of metabolism, but the dude is is just looking absolutely shredded. And obviously Dokes, who is a big running back who a lot of people have kept an eye on. And this this was just a case of them completely outplaying Houston. Uh, it ended 38-10, to 10, and honestly, the scoreline was unfair to Cincinnati. They had a lot more chances to score. They were doing a lot more. The running game was just exceptional. I think they put up nearly 300 yards on the ground, all told. Absolutely ridiculous run game, and... Yeah, I think they should have put up more more uh, points in the third and fourth quarter, especially. I think they had an opportunity to score maybe two or three touchdowns extra on what they scored. But they're, they're just looking legit. And even though they were having struggles in the passing game a little bit, they found a way to win and they went back to the run game and they got creative and they, they pulled out a very impressive win. I'm not saying Houston's a top-level team, but... Uh, momentum is obviously a hell of a player in this, but you know, Houston aren't a terrible team. They're like a, a solid level team for the conference they're in. And you know, Cincinnati, man, they are, 
you know, like I said, this this city is tragic when it comes to sports. They don't have their their greatest ever baseball player isn't allowed into the Hall of Fame. So so this city has been starved of, of championships, and I think the Bearcats have as good a chance as anyone if they can sneak into this college football playoffs. They might upset up a couple teams here because people aren't gonna know what to expect. They're gonna go in maybe overlooking them and get trounced, which is I think. Uh, a lot of their wins have come from this season. People may be underestimating them, but obviously they, they've done a fantastic job and hats off to Cincinnati. They look like one of the best teams in college football this year. Yeah, obviously, um, I've been banging the drum for them since the start mm. of the year. And yeah. um, what um, Kieran just said about them in, in the playoffs is true, but they, they need that expansion. They need an, an eight-team playoff at the moment because uh, they they keep winning they keep winning easily in their conference and um, they actually moved down in the rankings this week in the AP poll um, mm. because of SEC teams winning big again. Yeah, I've, I think it's obviously they've, they've had this uh, coach come in who's been there like three years now and he was at Ohio State and it didn't really pan out. But I think this if this team continues on this trend of winning and they maybe continue like this for two, three years, might be a case for him to move up to the Big Ten. Or, or, or something like that, because that would really open up a lot of doors for this program. Obviously, we're, with the conference they're in, you can't, you can still recruit and stuff, but you can't recruit at such a higher level because you're not playing the prestigious games and you're not getting enough people in the stadiums or whatever. But I think if they can get to a point where they are winning like this consistently and maybe move up to the Big Ten and improve their recruiting, they can really cement themselves wait, as one wait, of the wait. top 10 teams in the country. You mean Cincinnati moving to the Big Ten, not Luke Fickle moving to the Big Ten? No, no, no. Cincinnati moving to the Big Ten. Oh, wow. That would be a big call. I mean, that would be cool. Yeah, because... But it would be big. Yeah, we've seen some teams sort of fail when they move conferences, like Missouri when they first moved to the SEC. Absolutely just got beaten on every (laughs) single day. It It was tough for them. But I think if Luke Fickle and everyone at Cincinnati, they can continue this trend of winning for two, three years. A move to the Big Ten, maybe even a new stadium, because I'm sure the city would allow that. That could be massive for them. It opens up all sorts of avenues for recruiting, TV Hmm. games, being on the national stage, and really would put the Cincinnati Bearcats on the map, because academically, they're great. It's just now the sport is starting to catch up. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I just wanted to clarify just because I wasn't 100% sure what which way you meant at first. But yeah, no, it'd be big. It'd be good. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of TV deals coming up in the next few years. So I think there'll be a bit of a reshuffle, won't there, that was coming up. Um, big 12 needs sorting out. West Virginia needs to move, don't they? Because they're just completely out out on the limb out yeah, there as well. They're, so, they're in trouble. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I think yeah, it's a good shout, actually. One to keep an eye on over the next few years. But um, yeah, it'd be a big loss for the American, wouldn't it? Obviously, we've talked up the American quite a lot um, between the three, four, five of us. Um, so yeah, it'll be a bit of a loss because they are one of the best in that conference and have been for you know a good few years now, haven't they? Um, speaking of um, one of the best teams that we're not really talking about too much, Andy, you're going to talk about Liberty. Yeah, I think we're going quite niche of the picks over the last couple of weeks, aren't we? It's uh, a bit different and uh, something different for our listeners as well. But yeah, just uh, talking about Liberty, who cracked the top 25 last week after... 6-0 start, and they went to uh, 7-0 this week as well. Um, I'll come to the field goal in a minute, which you probably saw if you're a college fan this weekend. But but first, I just want to mention the two quarterbacks in this game, um, Malik Willis uh, for Liberty and Hendon Hooker for Virginia Tech, who, man, both of them just look like, not obviously not as good, but they're both like sort of models, like a young Cam Newton, like big guys. 
who can run the ball and, and that weird little flex here as well. Both of them threw for exactly 217 yards and three touchdowns at the weekend. Uh, Malik Willis added 108 yards uh, on the ground with one touchdown and Hendon Hooker 156 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So literally, if you watch back the highlights on this one, it's just those two guys running and then uh, occasionally converting to a thrown uh, touchdown in the end zone. Sorry, in the red zone. Um, the, the kind of difference maker should have been uh, Willis losing the ball four times, uh, you know, fumbling the ball um, a couple of times for a loss as well. But then it came down to the very last play, which was like, you don't really talk about field goals that much, do you, apart from when they win the game. But Virginia Tech tried to ice the Liberty kicker. Uh, field goal was then blocked after the uh, timeout was called. Virginia Tech returned it for the, for the touchdown. Uh, all hell broke loose. And then, it re- and then they realised that their own coach had uh, called, the, called the timeout and they, they had to go again. And of course, 51-yard field goal from Liberty Absolute scenes there to, to win them that one and move them up to 22 in the, in the coaches poll. But yeah, talking to small schools, man, like the, these guys are absolutely rocking it. Willis looks fantastic um, running the ball and then outside the pocket as well, just extending the play. It's like really good to see. And like, I think we I've, I've talked about it a couple of times now, but you're kind of having to be able to get outside the pocket and and uh, and throw the ball to, to make it as a successful college quarterback these days. But like it's just they're just everywhere, aren't they? You can you can just look at outside of the SEC, and most teams are like going with that model now, and kind of like backfired in the weekend for, for for my Florida State, who kind of switched out of that uh, back into a more traditional pocket passer, and that went wrong again. So yeah, you can. It's just like it seems to be just a model now: run the ball as much as you can, and, and get out of the pocket when when the like, when your protections collapse into. Good game, man. Yeah, can't complain. And, and another team that will be unlucky not to be moving up towards the top 10 in the in the coaches' poll by the end of the season if they can carry it on. But I think they've got a couple of uh, difficult games coming up as well. So it'd be good to see if they can maintain it. Mm. Yeah, go on, Kieran. You want to win then, yeah? Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to talk about about Liberty is their upcoming games. They've had, they look great against Virginia Tech. Uh, but obviously, they've had a couple of close games this season. Next week is Western Carolina, then it's uh, Northern Carolina State, and then it's UMass. But finally, the last game of their season, which I'm very excited to watch, Liam's nodding because he knows it's going to be one of the best games of the season. They are going to play Coastal Carolina. That will be a hell of a matchup. Libya ranked number 22 in the AP poll right now. Carolina ranked number 15. If both teams can win out and I see both teams winning the rest of their schedule, Coastal Carolina versus Liberty may be the best college football game we get all year. Forget the playoffs. I want to see Ohio State have a weird 17-14 game against Clemson. I want to see Liberty and Coastal Carolina go touchdown for touchdown in a shootout on that beautiful teal field. That's what I want. <laughs> it's great, though, isn't it? You know, we're obviously we were calling out for this a few weeks ago. Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs. These teams, but you know, we've been talking up BYU, we've been talking up Cincinnati, uh, Coastal. We're talking Liberty. And all these games, all these guys are unbeaten. It's brilliant. Um, it's a shame that we haven't got this expansion because we would have had a few wild teams in there this year. I feel like you know because. A lot of these teams, like you say, could win out and, and be unbeaten by the end of the year. So it's like they need like a little spin-off tournament this year just for these guys uh, to kind of come in and, and uh, have their own little tournament just for, like, I don't know, like a, I don't know, a subdivision of some description. It's not even like they have a super hard schedule. I'm not going to jinx them because, hmm. like, like I said, I've been doing that with teams. Um, they, they've got, like, NC State will be a tough game for them. UMass will be a, a game that challenges them. 
if they can get to Coastal undefeated and Coastal still undefeated, absolute scenes, gentlemen. <laughs> it will be um, it will be amazing, especially if one of them is in the well, Coastal. If they keep winning out, will be top ten. I I I think that's fairly obvious. Um, yeah, I just that's that's what I want for Christmas. I don't want. <laughs> LSU, our chances are gone. Patriots win, even making the playoffs no more. I want Coastal versus Liberty when they're both undefeated. Triple overtime thriller. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be like college overtime for three hours, that game. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely will be. I'll shout out Marshall as well. I kind of missed out Marshall when I was uh, naming all the little squads that are unbeaten as well. So, yeah, there's lots going on. It's really cool. It's, uh, it's really, really cool to see all these uh, these young, uh, not young, sorry, small uh, powerhouses kind of emerge. And long may it continue for me. Um, like I say, must get bored. I don't know about you guys. I must get bored with seeing Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, you know, Alabama in the playoff every year. And it's cool to see these these teams in there. Um, Rob's joined us. Hello. How are you? Hi, mate. How's all everything right. going? Yeah, good to be here. Sorry to be late. No, no, not at all. Uh, we've not, we've not got to your game yet. I'm going to talk Good. about uh, the Pac-12, and then we'll, we'll bring you in to do your victory lap, as I'm sure you will. For, I will. Don't you James. worry about that. Um, it's only just stopped in the group chat, really, isn't it? Today. Uh, no, nope, not stopped yet, mate. Uh, we'll be going for another couple of weeks uh, on this one. Um, but as we're talking about small schools, obviously, as you know, I, I, I like to follow App State as well. Not been our year this year because we lost against Marshall, but it's great to follow the small schools because mm. you do get behind them you really want them to do well uh, and it's, it's so good to see the coastal and and marshall doing so well liberty as well yeah i've um as i've just sort of heard the last sort of couple of minutes of that conversation mm. something i can definitely buy into <laughs> yeah no for sure i think we've all been crying out for it so yeah as i said i'm going to talk about uh going back to the pack 12 obviously my brand on brand um, i'm kind of don't know if I'm forgetting North Carolina now. Now they've, they've got me by until uh, the Pac-12s come in. But yeah, obviously got the kickoff. I'm going to talk about USC, uh, who hosted Arizona State. Obviously two people that we talked about quite a lot last week, the two quarterbacks, uh, Jane Daniels and Caden Slovis. And to be fair, as much as this was a great game, they almost really didn't take the the headlines in, in some senses because the headlines for me, and I know a couple of us watched this, was ball security was not optimal in this game there was seven turnovers three fumbles for each team and Slovis also threw a pretty bad interception as well defenses showed out defenses played pretty well offenses not so much uh Jane Daniels played okay um we saw a bit of the arm we saw a bit of the inconsistencies as well that we get with young quarterbacks but we also saw the wheels as well the wheels were rolling for Jaden Daniels you know he racked up I think he racked up no just about just less I was going to say he racked up more on the ground than he did in the air but it was just less so 111 on 11 carries on the ground 134 with a touchdown through the air also on 11 completions as well so fairly similar numbers but Arizona State uh, Demonte Tayum Tayanum sorry uh, rolling in with two touchdowns he looked pretty impressive as well first time I've really laid eyes on him obviously Eno Benjamin was ruling this backfield last year um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about Arizona State and their defense. Merlin Robinson, Robertson, sorry, the linebacker, he was showing out. He got the pick on Slovis. He was everywhere. And yeah, he just played really, really, really well. And he didn't really deserve to be on the losing team. USC, underwhelming really on offense. I was expecting Slovis to, to be much better. He chucked it around loads, got a couple of touchdowns, just under 400 yards. The running game wasn't as good as I thought it would be after I was talking it up um, on last week's program. Um, but my guy, Drake London, who I kind of slipped in at the end, absolutely showed out, scored the winning touchdown, 125 yards, eight grabs. He's going to be wide receiver one next year. 
And uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing him more. So yeah, no, lots of drama in this game as the Pac-12 does. But yeah, Bolsker, it was the main headline as it wasn't, it was a hot potato out there. Man, but as much as we can rely on like Slovis a bit in there, that kind of last 90 seconds. I mean, mm. to be fair, the, the, the first touchdown he threw in that last 90 seconds was absolute fluke, wasn't it? And deflected. <laughs> that's just, just not plopped nicely into the receiver's arms. But that second throw, man, that was a dime. Um, all the pressure on, fourth down, Back of the end zone, fantastic. And uh, shout out my guy, uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown as well. Mm. 100-yard receiving game. 13 targets, man. He's a proper target holder, a target hog over the middle there. But yeah, like, like you say, Slovis was literally slinging it. Not to the greatest of effect, but a couple of 100-yard receivers, another mm. two 50-yard receivers. They got some weapons through the air and they're obviously going to keep like, giving Slovis that chance to show just how good he is. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Kieran, do you want to come in on this as well? Yeah, Jaden didn't look uh, as impressive as he did last year. Like last season, he was yeah, just sort of let, letting it fly and uh, and looking great. And I may have cursed him. I may have not <laughs> cursed him. I feel like I've got this effect. Uh, I know he's only eleven and twenty-three, but I don't know if he looked the same to you guys. I don't know if you've watched him sort of, of as much as I have, but he didn't. I don't want to say he looked scared, but every single pass he threw, he looked a bit tentative. He looked like he was second-guessing himself a bit with some of the passes he was throwing out there. And I think that caused a lot of misses and obviously there was a couple drops. But, mm. you know, the, his ground performance really makes up for it. I think if he can build and keep uh, putting together some solid passing performances and that he, he he's obviously going to be a top-level prospect. But obviously he relied a lot on his athleticism to get out of trouble. We saw he was scrambling around like he was playing NCAA 14 on Heisman difficulty. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but he, he looked good mm. uh, in everything besides accuracy, which probably not what you That's wanted important. to pull back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, he looked... He looked fairly good out there. I just think he needs some more opportunities to get out on the field and play, just feel a bit more comfortable with it. But uh, I can't remember who said in group chat, I think someone said a tweet saying he has elite metabolism. So, uh, yeah, I think hit the weight room a bit more, uh, Jane Daniels, and, and you uh, maybe be less worried about getting hit in the pocket. So I, I think that's what it is. He's not a super huge guy. So uh, I think, you know, we, we'll see. I, I think they're still going to win the Pac-12 South. I'm mm. just putting money on that. So I've actually put a bet on it. So I think we'd be okay. Yeah, to me, to me, and we'll move on quite quickly because obviously we've got our own time for our mock drafts. But I, I, to me, he looked like a player that's not played for 10 months. That's all. I think I don't think there's much to be worried about. He was diagnosing the defense quite well. Like you say, he suffered a couple of drops with his receivers, but just yeah. kicking off some rust, maybe. Spring the the lack of spring game and mm. the practices has really hurt teams this year and, and and we've seen it all the way up to the pro level so yeah, yeah I I think once he's got this game under his belt a lot a lot of teams are going to look a lot better going yeah, forward I think so right then Rob we'll give you the stage we'll give you the mic hmm. let's talk note to Dave <laughs> hey all. Uh, so yeah, so um, I stayed up uh, until I think it finished at about 5am um, after the double overtime and it was well worth it and I'll hand on my heart, I, I know I am biased with this one because obviously I'm a big Notre Dame fan but I think genuinely that's probably the best best game I've watched for years and I'm talking NFL and college football. That was just, it had everything. And it was so good to watch, even from even, even from a defensive perspective, Lee. You must have appreciated some of them. Play. And obviously, I know that the, the score was 
Uh, I don't even know what it ended up, 40-40 or something like that. <laughs> um, so so probably not the greatest game for a defensive point of view, but there were some defensive plays. I mean, that it, it was a great game to watch for the neutral. If anyone stayed up over here to watch that, they must they were treated. They were treated to an NFL game uh, with two college teams. That's really what it, what it was. Um, I think DJ Uyongalele, I think I got that right for once. Thank goodness. Um had a fantastic game. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, would it have been the same with Trevor Lawrence? Would, you know, would you know, Clemson would have probably... I don't know. DJU put up a lot of numbers. I haven't got the stats in front of me, so I'm a bit behind tonight. Um, but I think it was over 400 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns. You know, that that's impressive. That That's, you know, that is some kind of Trevor Lawrence on a good day. So... I don't know how much difference he would have made. Obviously, I think he probably would have made some more key throws potentially. Um, could have been the difference. Um, but you play what's ahead of you. And and that was was DJU. And it was a very good Clemson team. Um, uh, Travis Etienne, they, he couldn't get going uh, in the running game. Um, he did well in the passing game. But the running game, Notre Dame was so solid up front. Um, we've got some real key pieces uh, in defense. A couple of linebackers of really, really, really quality. Um, and they are boosting their their um, their draft stock. And I noticed looking at our mock drafts that we've done, a couple of us, a couple of you have, have got Notre Dame players in the first round. I think they're definitely rising. Mm. Uh, hats off to, to Ian Book. Um like I said, a couple of, it might have been last week, I said that this time last year, I said, yeah, he was, he's a good college quarterback, but I can't really, I don't know where he's going to fit in the NFL, be a sort of a, a last day pick kind of thing. He has really stepped up um, and he's been a, he's a leader. He's a leader of that offense. He might not be throwing four or 500 yards a game, um, but he's leading that offense. And one player that I will wax lyrical till until the, till, till he gets in the NFL Karen Williams, the running back, he is NFL ready already and is a sophomore. He blocks unbelievably well. He picks up blitz plays better than anyone I've seen in college. Honestly, he is that good. And his running ability, you saw it first play or second play of the game, he's broke off a 70-something yard touchdown. Um, you know, yeah, the O-line has made a massive gap for him. But it's not, we're not talking these small rubbishy teams that that you break big runs at this is Clemson this is this is an NFL ready defense that you're you know you're you're breaking plays against and Curran Williams for me he, he is one of the best running backs in college he's only a sophomore he's going to be about next year possibly the year after as well he is going to be a very very solid pickup for anyone who's drafted him in the NFL in the next couple of years so keep your eyes peeled for Curran Williams um, and yeah, all around it was it was a good game. Fantastic for the neutral to, to go over double double overtime. Um, it was such a good watch. So glad I sat up and watched it. And I am still on cloud nine. Yeah, Notre Dame did something we've not really seen a team do yet in college football, and that stopped Travis Etienne. They absolutely shut that man down. And I don't care if Trevor Lawrence was playing. Notre Dame would have still won. You can't win a football game, especially in college, without a run game. And Notre Dame, every time Clemson tried to run that ball, they rammed it back down Clemson's throat and said, not today. And that was the difference maker. I don't care if Trevor Lawrence was in there. He got pulled down by his golden locks. It would have been an even (laughs) bigger blowout. But yeah, because they couldn't run the ball and they knew they couldn't run the ball, they just stopped running the ball. Uh, And Notre Dame took complete and total advantage of that and said, hey, we can run the ball and we can pass the ball. 
try and yep. stop us. And all the, although the game was, you know, close and went to overtime, I don't think it's a reflection of what the scoreline should have been. Well, there was just, just to put a cap on that 34 rush yards. That is what Notre Dame gave up over four quarters and two overtime periods. Um, so, you know, Fair, you can't do better than more, more than that when you're talking. It's, it's not like it's just a wash up running back. It's Travis Etienne. This guy possibly could go first round next year and a good O line. It, it just, it whacks, you know, it, it just shows how good um, Notre Dame was, was defensively. 439 yards. That was uh, DJ Uyongalele's uh, yardage. Uh, and again, Trevor Lawrence, that's the top end of his sort of level as well. So, yeah, you could argue that there might have been some better quality throws. There might have been some better sort of red zone uh, play from Trevor Lawrence. But as Kieran said, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Notre Dame was that good. They were. They were. Mm. Yeah, I want to say a couple of things, actually. First of all, well done to you for absolutely nailing Young Lele, by the way. You Thank you. Cra- you're cracking that this, this week. I know you tripped over it a couple of times last week. I've, yeah, you I've are been going over it all day. You've been, you've been practicing. And yeah, just to take into account, obviously, we've, we've got, obviously, we've, you've both said now about the, the poor rushing total that Clemson had. Obviously, with college football, and it's obviously not for you, it's more for listeners, but obviously sacks come off the rushing total. Notre Dame only got two sacks as well, so it's not as though you had a pile of sacks that yeah. were kind of knocking that total down. They just didn't run the ball very well at all. And ETN had a long of 13 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously <laughs> is, is what he thought, sort of thrives off, isn't it, really? But yeah, yeah. 28 yards of 18. So uh, yeah, so what's that, eight yards, six yards for the rest? You know, it's not, not great, is it? Mm. Um, so yeah, no, great performance. Uh, up to number two in the rankings. I thought you could have gone number one to honest, Alabama not playing. Obviously, knocking off the number one team as well. I think you not sure have been a bit hard done by there, to be honest with you. Mm, yeah, it was... no. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, the SEC just has so much power, doesn't it? And uh, it, it, you know, like I said last week, had Notre Dame lost, they'd have been probably seventh, eighth, ninth, and no chance to get back in. Clemson lost, and yeah, it was a tight game, but they're still still fourth. They're still, you know, they're still they're still going to be in the playoffs probably if they win out. So um, I don't know. It's a bit of injustice maybe but yeah it should count for more shouldn't it obviously you've just knocked mm. off the number one team so yeah anyway. I yeah I think we could have been number one to be honest but... <laughs> I was going to say I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't jump all over it to <laughs> yeah well I need, I need to be I need to remain a little bit neutral um, but no bring on Bama we'll have Bama <laughs> yeah it could be well it could be the final couldn't it if you end up one and two but we'll see I know still, still plenty of football to go Still, yeah, this is so Notre Dame um, to a team. We've still got a fairly not, not difficult, difficult schedule, but we've got some tough teams coming up. Obviously, we've got North Carolina a couple of weeks, um, which would be a, a big one. Uh, mm. Boston College next week. That's not, that's not, you know, Boston College away is not an easy place to go. It is, it would be so typical of Notre Dame to be Clemson in this massive tight game this week and then next week go to BC and lose. That's that would be stereo. That would be absolutely typical of the mm. teams that I follow. Anyway, I know that from being an indie fan, from being a Norwich <laughs> fan, and, and being a Notre Dame fan. I'm, I'm, I might just put some money on on BC next week to win outright. But no, um, hopefully not. Hopefully we've. Hopefully this is it. Um, you know, we've played so well. It would be a shame to be to let ourselves down. But hopefully not. I'm remaining positive. This is the best team. I said it last week. The best Notre Dame team that I've seen since I've been supporting them, um, and that was just such a great performance at the weekend. Hopefully we can carry that forward until the end of the season now. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm sure as we always do, we'll be talking about the top teams as well as the, the little teams as well. So yeah, keep winning and we'll, we'll keep mentioning on the podcast, I would say. 
but yeah, no, another great week. Um, obviously, massive, massive game that that went the opposite way. Upset, obviously, that we all thought, even though it was one versus four. But yeah, great, great game. And like I say, um, top top marks to anyone who, who stayed up till till that time to watch it in the UK. Right then, so we're going to move into our mock draft. So basically what we've done all week is obviously we've all been putting out mock drafts, as you'll have seen. Rob went first on Monday, kicked us off. And then all through the week, we've all been dropping our own. And we're going to kind of talk about them, pick them apart. Obviously, there's a couple that haven't come out yet. So um, we'll be kind of um, giving you a little bit of a heads up then. We're not going to go through each mock draft because that'd be super boring because you just listen to each of us with list of 32 names. But what we're going to do is just going to talk about a few picks within our own mock drafts that we like and then also uh, pick apart each other's as well. Kieran, considering that you have to go soon, we'll start off with you. Obviously, first to the Jets is Trevor Lawrence. He's an incredible talent, and we we probably knew he was going to be the first overall pick before this college season kicked off. He would have to... Did we? But not Jamar Chase. (laughs) Come on now. Come on now. Well, they could take Jamar Chase because I don't know if the guy who's going to take over from Adam Gase, because let's be honest, that's inevitable. I know the Jets are a dumpster fire, but I can't imagine them keeping Gase. Some guy might want to go for Donald and uh, bring in the uh, best receiver we've seen in college since Julio Jones and Kelvin Johnson. We will see. Uh, I'm just going to give you my first three picks to start with, and then and then I'll pick up some interesting ones. The Giants are going to take Panay Suel because they need, I don't think they're 100% you know, ready to get rid of Danny Dimes yet. Although if you saw my tweet about him this weekend, they probably should do. And up further Jags, I'm going to have him take a Justin Fields. I don't think he's going to be great in the league. I just think that's what happens with Ohio State quarterbacks. It's a little bit of superstition from me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're ready to finally have a top tier quarterback in that room because they've not done since, you know, well, since the franchise started in 1995, really. Um yeah, sorry, Jags fans, you're trash. Um, the next big pick I've got is actually uh, the Patriots coming in. They're going to take Kyle Pitts uh, from Florida. That's one Rob's going to love. If you know anything about the Patriots, you know I'm like I do. We love big tight ends, and I think I think we're not sold on drafting a quarterback in this first round. I don't think that's really on our agenda, and I think we're going to want a big pass catcher to augment the offense. I know Bill's a defensive guy, but I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a very – you know, very high on our draft list. Another one, uh, Broncos, going to take Alex Leverwood out of Bama. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You probably probably shouldn't fall this far, but the first uh, tackle I've got after Panay Suo is actually Sam Cosme going to the Bengals. So, you know, a bit of a shake-up to what a lot of people are thinking, but I just think, in general, Sam Cosme has more raw athletic talent and can probably be molded a little bit better than Alex Leverwood could, even though Leverwood has a better kick set. He's got better hands. He's, you know, he's, he's very technical, but Sam Cosby has this raw talent that you could turn into something fantastic in the league. Um, last couple picks here. I'm going to take Terrence Marshall to the Ravens. I think they really need a couple, you know, I know they bought in Des Bryant, but he's not going to be there for more than a year, let's be honest. And I know Marquise Brown looks fantastic. I just think they need another speed guy out there to catch passes. They can't rely on tight ends and fullbacks all year. Uh, and then last two picks, we'll go for the Bills, taking Trey Smith, who's an offensive tackle out of Tennessee. A lot of hype. Honestly, think he should have gone earlier, but just how team needs fall, uh, falling. I think that's probably the earliest he gets picked up. And uh, finally, another one for Rob. I've got the Steelers taking Kyle Trask. 
I think they're done with Mason Rudolph. I think anyone who's watched him play football is done with him. He's not a good quarterback. And Kyle Trask is very similar to Big Ben. He's big. He's got a big arm. He's not exactly athletic, but can, you know, maybe rush for a first down if he really needs to. Uh, And I think he fits that scheme well. I know probably a controversial pick because a lot of people maybe like Kyle Trask isn't, you know, first round material is probably uh, mid to late second round. But I, I think that's a good pick for the Steelers because he is very physically like Ben. And in terms of ability, he is very like Ben. And I, I think that would be a great pick for their offense. Mm. And Rob loves that pick, obviously. <laughs> of course. I think that makes perfect sense. But uh, I, I think that teams, and you've seen this, with, we see it with Lamar Jackson. I'm not... You get you pick your quarterback at the end of the first because you can you can you can, you know have a fifth year option. You can't do that in the second round. So it's worth if you're debating whether to maybe trade up to this early in the second to pick up a quarterback or get him in the last you know last couple of picks of the first. Always take him in the first because you've got that fifth year option. That's mm. my, that's, that's that's something that I think goes into it, but maybe not. But no, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent goes into it. 100%. That's why you get loads of trades and you get loads of overdrafted QBs at the back of the first. Yep. Not mentioning names from previous years. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Kieran, I, I like it. I like, I like a lot of your picks there. Just out of interest, something that you've not mentioned, who's your first edge off the board? Because I think amongst the five of us, we're kind of not sold in this edge class at all, are we? Yeah. The, it, honestly, a couple of the edge guys I've got, I just... Teams needed edge rushers, and I, and I couldn't really. I think I've got two edge guy, no, three edge guys this entire class, and I'm not completely sold on them. But there's teams who need edge guys. The first guy I've actually got, Greg Russo mm-hmm. from Miami, uh, probably a, you know high on your guys' boards as well, going to Washington, just because I think they're probably going to want to pair him with Chase Young, and then obviously they have got Deron Payne in the middle, who's just the most disruptive defensive tackle in football right now you can't even argue that fight me if you disagree there's not really just a great edge class out here but I think Greg Russo has got enough upside where if you pair him with Chase Young and then they're either side of Deron Payne that they can really you know keep quarterbacks honestly scared and they can have running backs thinking twice uh, on anything other than gap plays so you know, I, besides Greg Russo, I think the only other good edge guy I've got is maybe Dylan Moses. I've got Joe, uh, Joseph Osai, but going to the Titans, but that's because they need edge mm. guys. I, if if I if I had it my way, I wouldn't have put any edge guys in the first round. But there's three teams this season that really, really do need edge players, and the, the guys who aren't stellar, but you know, you can always develop. We always see guys go into the NFL as who who overperform and and I think that'd be the hope with these three guys although being a pro bowler and coming out of the first round is probably expected and uh, you know it's just not a good class for the edge I mean less said about this edge class the better to be honest yeah I'd, I'd agree with that I think I feel like well in mine I'm, I'm not going to go into mine just yet but yeah I've got Ruzo going six to the Falcons and I feel bad about it because he's super raw he needs a lot of development I would have liked to have seen him play this year but obviously he's opted out um but Edge has that value, doesn't it? So it's going to go high. So it's it's one of those things where it's it, it's just you have to force them in there, don't you? And you don't feel good about it. But it is November. It's there's plenty of time to go before the spring until the draft, and you know plenty of football to go in the college college football season as well. So um, yeah, hopefully someone and we've talked about a couple of guys who might rise up the rankings, and you're hoping that a couple of them will do. 
Next up, um, Liam, I think we'll come to you uh, for just a bit of a rundown before we before we get into um, each other's picks. Well, let's start with uh, this is the discrepancy between what I think will happen and what I would do. <laughs> and um, pick number one is not Trevor Lawrence. So uh, I'm going with Panay Suel to the Jets in um, what I'm calling Operation Save Sam Darnold because um, I am pro Sam Darnold and I have to stick with him as much as Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. I love the idea of having Panay Suel there as extra protection to go with what they already have, um, which means that Trevor Lawrence then falls to the Giants at two. Mm. Um, they are very close to looking like they're giving up on Daniel Jones and uh, uh, with Trevor Lawrence there, they're not going to resist that. I feel for Daniel Jones a little bit, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence is, is uh, going to the Giants. I agree that Justin Fields is going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and I feel bad about it for him because the Jags are in as difficult a spot as any organisation at the moment, it seems, with um, off the field. There's there's some of their drafting is uh, it's been very strange and mm-hmm. obviously constantly high draft picks from then not performing in the season. Um, we talked about the edge class. The edge, edge class is growing on me this year. Um, I think it's deeper than everybody thinks. I think day two is going to be a really good day for edge rushes. And um, we talked about Greg Rousseau out of Miami, and that's the first guy I've got of the edge class going. I have him going five to the Dallas Cowboys. It, um, I went through um, some depth charts to try and figure out where to piece all this together, and that really jumped out at me when uh, looking at uh, the Cowboys uh, they need they need more help on edge. There's uh, still having guys like um, uh, Randy Gregory and people like that knocking about on the depth chart. I think that uh, Rousseau will really come in and make a difference for them. Um, Jamar Chase is the first receiver off the board. I've got him going to uh, Washington at seven. Um, after Suell, I've got Alex Leatherwood as the next offensive tackle going to the Chargers at eight. Um, one of the picks that kind of really kind of lit up for me when uh, I was going through was uh, I got to 12 and the Carolina Panthers and Kyle Pitts were still there and uh, I suddenly that just uh, makes so much sense to me I thought Kyle Pitts going to the Panthers um, extra help for Teddy Bridgewater extra help for C-Mac add him on to all of the uh, guys they got out wide at wide receiver as well I think that would work really really nicely um as we go, move down, um, Samuel Cosme to the Raiders, another offensive tackle. Um, our guy, Zach Wilson, I've got him going 18 to the Chicago Bears, um, which still seems a little bit much, but um, you can't argue with his play at the moment. Mm. Um, I also really liked um, I, um, Joseph Azai to the Cleveland Browns. I got that at 20. The Browns need help on edge and at linebacker, and he can play both. You can put him at linebacker. You can put him um, in the trenches as well. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I got uh, JC Horn going to the Cardinals, which was another one that kind of jumped out to me. I suddenly had this vision of um, Byron Murphy and um, all the safeties that they have and fitting in JC Horn there. I thought that suddenly brought secondary together massively. Um, physical, I'd say, because I can dream if, if he had be mad, yeah, with um, Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson to kind mm. of shepherd them and have somebody to learn from. 
Um, I fitted in Terrace Marshall, the LSU wide receiver, into the first round to the Packers to give uh, Aaron Rodgers the weapon that he obviously wanted this time last year. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a real possibility. Before the Georgia-Florida game, I thought that Eric Stokes was a first-rounder. And then he had, um, individually, he had a really good game in that game. Had the pick six and I have him going to the Bills. Um, I think that might be quite a nice fit. And um, managed to squeeze in another offensive tackle right at the end to the Steelers in uh, Rashawn Slater, mm. who uh, has opted out of Northwestern season this year. But um, I made note of him last season. And he seems to be getting uh, still a lot of buzz despite his opt-out. And I think that he's well worth a first-round pick at the end there. Yeah, it's a, it's a pick that, that I've got as well with Slater going to the Steelers. I think it's a place that they really develop O-line really nicely. And he's not the finished article. He's had a lot of good flashes um, in last year's tape that I've watched. And um, if he goes there, I just think it's a hand and glove fit. I think it's a... a place that could develop him really nicely. I don't think they'll have to rush him in as well. So um, he's in in the last two seasons he's played left tackle and right tackle both sides pretty consistently and they have vet vets there on that line as mm. well as their coaches that will really help him along. I it, as soon as uh, when I got down to that pick and he was there it, it made so much sense. Yeah, no, I completely completely agree, obviously, because I've got him going in exactly oh, yeah, the same place. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want I, in fact I'll save that, I'll save that to later what I was gonna mm. say while we while we go through. Rob, take us through uh, your draft that came out on Monday. Uh, yeah, I I uh, a lot of names have been mentioned that I've got in mind as well. Um a couple of trends that I liked, but first of all, let me start with my I just ra- ra- um rally off my come on, get your words out, Grimwood. <laughs> rally out my first five. Uh Trevor Lawrence, the Jets. Jamar Chase for the Giants, Justin Fields for the Jags, Penny Sewell for to the Dolphins, uh, and then uh, the Cowboys. I've got Patrick Sertain uh, going to as the first cornerback off the board. Um, just looking uh, a few cornerbacks that could be um, sort of first off. I've gone for Sertain. Um, I just think he edges it slightly. Um, I think he's a very dynamic player from, from Alabama. Uh, interestingly, I have seven. Alabama Crimson Tide players in the first round. Um, like I said, Patrick Sertain is the first off the board. I've got Alex Leatherwood's offensive tackle going to the Chargers. Your Chargers at eight, Lee. Uh, I've got Dylan Moses at nine to the Pats. Uh, Devonta Smith at 13 to the Lions. Jalen Waddell, 16 to the uh, Dolphins. And... I think one more in here. Deontay Brown, offensive guard um, in the end of the first, uh, going to the Chiefs at 30. Um, I think, oh no, one more. I had Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle, going to the Browns at 20. Uh, so seven Alabama players all in all. A um, couple of wide receivers there. And the one thing I said to, to Andy um, as I was doing this at the end of last week was, wouldn't it be nice if uh, Alabama started to sort of uh, and Miami started to draft some more Alabama players for Tua. So potentially there could be Alex Leatherwood there. Um, he could go at four to Dolphins. I don't think he will. I think if Sewell's still on the board that he goes first. Uh, it could be Leatherwood. could be Waddle or Devonta Smith. And then in the second round, it could be Najee Harris. So it could be a bit of a um, sort of... A, 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 you know, rebrand for the Alabama Kings of Tide over at Miami. Similarly, I think the Jets 
uh, are going to get wind of Clemson, obviously getting Trevor Lawrence uh, in the first with the first pick. I've actually got them following that up uh, with the second last pick with Travis Etienne, the running back. So it, it could be nice to see a couple of trends go here um, for these sort of big time colleges to, to come and play for the, the same team in the NFL. That'd be quite a, a good story, I think. Uh, one player I know, uh, 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 Kieran mentioned Carl Pitts. Um, I think he goes a lot earlier than what I've put him. I've put him at 23 to the Colts just because I'm so desperate for the Colts <laughs> to get him. Um, pretty much as a bit of a selfish pick from me. Um, I don't think he's there at 23. I think he probably goes a bit earlier, especially if he carries on playing at the level that he's played at so far. I did pick up a, um, I think he picked up a concussion and went out of the game against Georgia this weekend. See how long it takes him out for. Don't think it'll be long. So if he continues on the trajectory that he's on, he's going to be well up there. That's probably the top 15. Um, but yeah, Terrace Marshall, I I agree with with what Kieran said. Terrace Marshall, I've got going to the Ravens twenty four as well, uh, and that's yeah, pretty much uh, pretty much it wrapped up for me. Yeah, my only worry with putting Alabama QBs in the first round, and this is excluding Tua because I think Tua is fantastic. Is Alabama always just have a track team of receivers, and it it's just a case of throwing them open, uh, and I don't that doesn't always translate to the NFL, so the I might have it a bit high, Mac Jones going to the Colts or whatever, but, um, you know, I, you got to be careful of Alabama quarterbacks. I like what I've seen, but also you've got to bear in mind who he's throwing to and who he's throwing against. So, you know, you know I'm confident in the pick, but you, you just got, I'm always a bit apprehensive when putting Bama quarterbacks that high because of the pedigree of receiver they have. And if that translates to the NFL level. Has, it, has anyone else got Mac Jones going, um, Alabama quarterback going in the first round. I think Andy does, don't you? Andy does do. Interesting. So, Liam, did you want to come in then on what Kieran's saying? I was going to back up what Kieran's saying about the Bama quarterbacks. Also, I um, agree with Rob's um, pick 31. I got Etienne going there as well to the Jets. Um, and also, in terms of the Colts, I had uh, Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota wide receiver, um, falling mm. there at 23 to the Colts. I think that uh, he can work out of the slot with the guys that they've got on the outside, really help the pass game. And I quite like quite like that pick because Bateman's an interesting one in terms of what he brings to teams and actually think the Colts is a really good offense for him. Yeah. The Colts are devoid of receivers. We said it this year, T Y Hilton's sort of gone. Um, and the, the two young guys, Paris, Kil- uh, Paris Campbell, sorry, Paris Hilton, I know he said, Paris Campbell and um, Michael Pittman, they've both been injured all year. So, yeah, we, we could do with some receivers. So, I like that pick. Also, cornerback, I know I think someone else I saw got a cornerback going there. Uh, the two sort of positions that I would say. Uh, one position we don't need is uh, is offensive line. So, <laughs> Andy, when it comes around to you, I'd like a bit of an explanation here, please. <laughs> Well, Andy, you, you, you go through yours and I'm sure Rob will come in uh, talking about that one. No worries, man. I, I just thought on, on Leatherwood uh, to the Colts, man, I just thought that made uh, perfect sense because uh, if you uh, when when you read my uh, like summary of it, I think it's like Jacob Eason time. I think he'd just like, give him as much protection as possible. I really like Leatherwood there. I don't really like him as high up as, as he's gone in a couple of the other ones that we, we've done, but... Uh, overall, man, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure mine's here to be pulled apart because I've got some proper road guys in there. I've got six quarterbacks going in the uh, in the first round, and I just think this is like a year which is going to like have a bit of a generational shift in, in, in the quarterbacks in the NFL. You've got like a lot of guys coming towards end of like notable careers. You've got a couple of guys who have been in the league a couple of years and it's not really working out, uh, and it just seems to be like. 
you know, a lot of good quarterback play in college this year. I mean, I've got Mac Jones going at, at nine. I did it. I, I traded around with this one and bought the, the the Niners up to take him above the the Vikings, who I think could also dabble in the quarterback market there. So that's really early. But even earlier than that, I've got Zach Wilson going at four to to, to the Redskins. Sorry, to the Washington Football Team. That's that third time I've said uh, Redskins in, in as many days, but. There's just you just can't deny the the kind of upward trajectory of the quarterback position each year and every year. Like obviously, sort of Burrow last year, Wilson and Jones are not uh, Joe Burrow by any means. But if you are picking in the top ten and you're not like that kind of young team team that's kind of building around the, the quarterback that you took last year, you could be in the market for for for, a, for your playmaker. I think if you look down that list, you've got Jets, Giants, uh, Jags, uh, Cowboys, Falcons. Like all of those teams could take the could take a quarterback, so there's gonna you know if you've got a first round rating on your guy, we saw it with Daniel Jones a couple of years ago. Why not go and pick up your man there? Um, other kind of guys that haven't been mentioned so far. I've got Nick Bolton out of Missouri going to to the Raiders. Um, I've got Jackson Carl on the Clemson tackle going to the Jags to kind of back up Justin Fields in his new role. Uh, Chris Olave, uh, the uh, Ohio State wide receiver, I think uh, Liam and I both got him going at the back end of the first round. Who I think like he, he's played to start the season has been fantastic. Uh, and then probably the roguish guy that I've got in there is Patrick Jones, who's the defensive end of, of Pitt, who watched a couple of times uh, the last few weeks, including at the weekend where he was in the backfield uh, ahead of a lot, but that's probably uh, half a dozen of one and six of the other uh, in terms of Florida State's poor O-line play. But he looked fantastic. He was setting the edge really well, really quick hands. And he was get, every time he was getting off and just, just knocking his man backwards into the quarterback. So really like him as a prospect. Um, yeah, the only other guy I suppose is a bit rogue as well is uh, Chaz Surratt, linebacker uh, you'll be familiar with, uh, Lee, going to the Cardinals to, to again bolster that, 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 that um uh, Cardinals defense, which is already looking pretty formidable, but did get torn apart the weekend by uh, a quarterback in his uh, second game in the NFL. <laughs> Nicely done, just to uh, smuggle that one in at the end there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think to be fair, I know you said this in the group chat. There's a few rogue ones, and obviously you're talking about the quarterbacks, but I feel like you're right. I think like you know, I don't think between us with that high on like the quarterbacks in terms of where we've actually drafted them in our mocks today or this week, but there's always that creep up, isn't there, where, you know, towards the end of the season and quarterbacks start kind of creeping up. Teams start to get nervous about who they've got on the centre at the minute. You know, you're looking at Washington, people like that, who are going to get rid of their quarterbacks. The quarterback free agent market this year is just non-existent. So, yeah, you're going to go up and get your guys, aren't you? So I think you're uh, kind of ahead of the curve, really, on that kind of prediction for my money anyway. Um, so I'm going to finish off um, for this kind of section when we're talking about our own. Um, just to kind of run through my top five, as everyone has done, I've got Lawrence going one, Jamar Chase two, Justin Fields, just like everyone else. I think we've all five of us have got Justin Fields going to the Jags at three. Uh, Dolphins get Suell at four. And then I've got Caleb Farley, who I think is kind of jostling with Patrick Sertain as the uh, number one corner of the class, as uh, as Rob said. Um, I've, I'm not going to, obviously we've all, all drafted Micah Parsons. I'm sure I'm pretty sure we all have, but I've got him listed as linebacker slash edge, which is a bit different to what you have all got. And I've got into the Patriots at nine, um, doing that. Cause I know that, you know, it's one of these things where Bill loves these versatile guys. He loves these guys who can do a few roles. We're thinking of like Josh Uche, who they got last year. And I'm not saying that Parsons is going to come in and replace him, but I'm just thinking that's a nice fit for him. Parsons obviously played edge before he played linebacker and I heard in a recent interview that he did 
um, saying that basically he didn't, make, he didn't really close it off to doing it in the NFL. He basically said, if I, if someone makes me slim down, or wants me to slim down, I'll play edge. I don't, I don't care. So um, yeah, that's kind of open to that to, to that happening, which I'm, which I'm quite excited about actually because he's ferocious off the edge and definitely plays uh, like he has played there before. Um, looking down my list for people that we've not talked about, I've gone back to back Georgia uh, cornerbacks uh, to the Cardinals and Colts at 22 and 23, which I wrote before this weekend before they got torn apart by Florida State. But, um, you know, we'll see how that kind of develops. And I just want to pick up on what Rob kind of alluded to earlier. Um, I've got Jeremiah Owosu Karoma, um, Notre Dame linebacker who kind of does it all really. I've got him to go into the Saints at 25. Um, the Saints are a defense that I really, really like. They've got a lot of good linebackers, but I just think he can go in there and again, just be a, like a multiple piece for that defense. And um, yeah, he's not someone that I had a great deal of love for last year. Uh, wasn't really on my radar, but his start to the season so far has been excellent. He's just got a little bit of everything about him, which I really like. And as much as Andy's saying about the quarterbacks kind of moving towards that mobile quarterback and kind of guy who can run around, linebackers are getting like that as well. You don't want a two-down stuffer anymore who's, you know, 260 pounds plus. Uh, you want guys who can move around, guys can cover the sideline, sideline, drop into the coverage and also, you know, rush the pass every now and then. I think he can do that. And I just wanted to draw attention to, I've got thousand corners going because there's, just other positions that we kind of touched on that aren't too great. Edge class, as we've mentioned, not too great. Safety class, I think we've got one safety between the, all five of us. Um, I've done about Kieran or maybe two. Um, so yeah, safety class isn't looking great. So I've had to shove a load of corners in there. Um, I've put in as a bit of a flyer. I'm not sure I'll stick with this all year, but I've got uh, Diamodore in Lenoir going to the Chiefs in the well in the 30th pick. He's the Oregon corner. He's been left alone a little bit because Oregon's safety, uh, sorry, secondary has been kind of ripped apart with uh, the opt-outs. I was losing Javon Holland, as we mentioned last week, and also Thomas Graham as well. But I just think he's a really good mover. I think he's got a nose for the football. I think he's comfortable in his own. And man, I just think he, he looks really good. And I think if he has a good season without all these buddies around him for Oregon, and their defense is going to be one that's going to be lent on, as we mentioned last week, I think he could be a bit of a riser. I'm not 100% sure whether I'll keep him there all year, like I say. But yeah, something that I've, I've definitely caught my eye when I was looking, looking at him in summer. Um, a lot of the guys that we've already mentioned, so I'm not going to run through that uh, too much. And then, as we said before, Rashawn Slater going to the Steelers at 32. Another bit of a standout one um, for me. I want to kick off the kind of picking things out of each other's by just noticing, we've. I think we've all picked Sean Wade but I am much lower on him than everyone else. What does everyone love about Sean Wade? Who can kick us off? I've got him going 19 to the Philadelphia Eagles, mm. mainly because of uh, the fit. I know that the Eagles are having secondary issues. Sean Wade can play in the slot. He can even bulk up and play um, like as an, uh, an extra safety if you wanted him to. I was thinking, like you said, the safety class. Um, yeah, it's not great. Um, and Wade kind of could fit the mould as kind of a hybrid secondary player. Um, the only reason I had him in the top 20 is, like I say, fit to the Eagles, but um, I've liked him for a couple of years. I think he's still going to be a first-rounder. I think he's learning how to play on the outside a bit this year. He's been in the slot previous um, with uh, Ohio State, and I think his form has kind of dipped learning uh, the uh, man coverage on the outside. Um, but uh, I still think that, um, you know, I think at the moment his, his stock holds up. I've got him going like even early. I've got him at five with the Cowboys, mm. which is very early, I know. But 
Uh, Liam just actually like just touched on exactly why, and that's the kind of Swiss Army knife in the secondary for, for, for that defense, which we've obviously all watched this year. It's been an absolute shambles. Um, and I almost wanted to put um, Mika Parsons in there, but then I thought that their linebacking group isn't bad at all. That like like you know you've got um, Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Demarcus Lawrence and, and Co in there, so I couldn't really fit him in as a reasonable player. And then I went, went dropped back to corner, and, and I just think that I want a guy that can play the run as well as they can play like the the kind of outside receiver and slot receiver. So just did everything for me. Um, like like you've probably like. You're probably right. I think it's too early, um, but I, I don't see why the Cowboys will go anywhere anywhere other than the secondary, and, that, and it just fit perfectly for me. Yeah, that to be fair, it was the fact that we were so far apart. You were five, and I've got him thirty-one. So I, I just uh, sorry thirty. So I was just yeah, I just wanted to hear what everyone's thoughts were. I'm not too sure. I kind of disagree with you guys. I think he's very much a slot corner. I know he's played there and played very well over the past couple of years. And obviously we know Ohio State is kind of a conveyor belt, isn't it? And you get one first round guy going out, another guy comes in, he goes first round, then someone else comes up and you kind of move from the slot to outside into the NFL. And that's kind of how it goes. But I, I just don't know. I just don't feel like he, he can. I feel like the value is not there. And to be honest, I wasn't, I didn't want to draft him in the first round. I was going to leave him out, but I really, really wanted to get the Jets a corner and, I didn't have anyone else who I liked more. So I kind of shoved him in there. There's a lot of that going on. I'm not sold on this class as a whole in, in some ways. I think there's some really, really good players, but then I feel like we're kind of shoving people in the first, end of the first round just because we have to <laughs> for a lot of it. And I think Sean Wade's one of those people. I'm yet to be convinced about him as an outside corner. But obviously not to watch too much Ohio State um, in four games anyway. I'll be I'll be kind of watching out for that one because I know that a lot of people like him, but I'm a little bit behind on that one. Rob, did you I, want to come in there? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I've, I've got him going ten to the Vikings, and that's because, like you said, I see him as a slot corner. Um, I think he's he's got plenty of pass rush upside when he's playing in the nickel. Um, when the Vikings lost, obviously Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, who's having a really good season for the Bengals, by the way. Um, they've got Jeff Gladney last year, and uh, I think they picked up Cameron Dantzler as well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, two outside guys, and I just thought, you know, they lost three. They're, they're still not great at corner, so I think that he's a nice little fit for the Vikings. Um, so that's why I, I made him at 10. But again, he's the kind of player, and you kind of mentioned it, that he could go anywhere in that first round, but he could also slip into the second round quite easily. Um, but like I said, my, my research sort of, sort of saw him go to the Vikings, uh, which made sense to me. But I can certainly, certainly definitely see uh, your, your, your opinions behind that, Lee. Mm. And going back to your, your draft board as well, um, obviously I, I like it because we've got four of the first five picks together um, <laughs> and the same position group throughout the first top 10. So, uh, so yeah, I think you've done really well, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, singing off the same hymn sheet for sure. Oh, Liam, go on. Um, not about uh, anyone else's. I was just going to pick up on one more player of Rondell Moore. I wondered, I can't remember how many of us had Rondell Moore in the first round. Mm. I don't know if you can quickly. Uh... I, I had him in the first round, but I've got, I've got question marks, to be quite honest. Where did you have him, Rob? I've got him going 26 to the Titans, um, just because I think he's a, he's a good comp to AJ Brown on the other side. Um, but again, he's not been on the field this year, has he, again? Um, he's got injury and if he stays off the field he, he ain't going to go first round he ain't going to go second round you know if he's not on the field he's not going to get anywhere um, but if he does come back on the field 
he is an elite weapon. Um, so I can certainly see him. He, he's like a Marquise Brown, isn't he? He's very short, yeah. but very sort of, sort of nippy. So yeah, I, I like compare him to that for that reason. And it's like that the modern NFL are liking the smaller, faster. I got him going a place early at twenty-five to the Saints. Yeah, because I think it it complements um, Drew Brees as well. Mm-hmm. Brees. Uh, he doesn't have if he's got Rondell Moore available. He doesn't have to launch it down the field. He can just uh, knock it off to Rondell Moore and let Rondell Moore make up all the yards. Yeah, yeah. Rondell Moore's going to love playing for the Saints, running around at 100 miles an hour in gold and black. That's what he's been doing um, at <laughs> Purdue for the last couple of years. And uh, it, it's, it's another one that when I was going down the board and it got to Saints at 25, and I realised, okay, yeah, maybe receiver and Rondell Moore say it, it fitted with the guys the Saints already have on the outside mm. and stick Rondell Moore in there as well to make mm. up uh, the yards after the catch plays. Uh, it worked. Yeah, it's on, oh, sorry, stretch, stretch the field for Jameis, can't he? When Jameis, Jameis is <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be a key piece for Jameis' <laughs> Winston Hall of Fame career. Go off sprinting off after all those overthrows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've got, I've got some, I've got some backup now in this, this two-year conversation yeah, his, that we've been having. What's his, what's his like to tackle the interceptions? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we to answer your prior question, Liam. We've got three of us taking him: uh, myself, yourself, and Rob, and we've all got him in the same sort of range. I think we've got him twenty-five, six, and seven because I've got him going to the Packers. Um, playing that Robin to Devante Adams is Batman, really. And I think that's the kind of theme that we've got for Rondell Mode throughout, hasn't it, really? He's not going to be that number one receiver. He's yeah. going to be late first, maybe early second type of receiver who is a B option rather than you, the guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, you thinking along the same lines of giving the Packers a receiver because I've put Terrace Marshall going there to them. Mm. I was going to pick up on another receiver that uh, I think two of you have got going to the Dolphins and Jalen Waddle. And I didn't put him in the first round purely because of his injury. And I don't think that the Dolphins are going to want to take a risk at that position uh, that early in the draft next year when you've seen so many good guys uh, land in the second in the last few years. I think that's the kind of... I mean, I, I've got them uh, taking Devonta Smith because I think Smith is the, like, the real deal. He's got the connection of two already. Um, but it, it, even that, like... Seven, where I've got him going, like that's probably very early, and I've got him going ahead of Jamar Chase, who I've got falling down to the Panthers because of the uptight season. Um, mm. But yeah, I think Waddle might drop out because of the injury, and then I think someone's going to get an absolute bargain in the second round. But I still can't, I can't see him going top twenty because of that. Injury is a really good point. I, I, I really wanted, I just wanted the Dolphins to get one of Devonta Smith or um, yeah. or Jalen Waddle, <laughs> yeah. and it got to uh, the Detroit Lions pick. And uh, I think uh, Rob had this as well, Devontae Smith going to the yeah. Lions. And um, I nearly had Devontae Smith going at seven to Washington because um, mm-hmm. he's pushing Jamar Chase for wide receiver one at the moment for Definitely. me. Devontae I, Smith is a riser at the moment. He he's is. Playing it's, so well. Because we've got, you know, yeah, because Jalen Waddle's now gone down with injury, you know, Devontae Smith's, draft capital is straight up um, because he's getting all of the beneficiaries from, from being out wide at Alabama on his own. Mm. Um, and, and he's only going to go up. And I, I think that, I think the Dolphins, Andy, going back to your point, you'd probably like Devonta Smith to fall there because you'd get Devonta Smith. But I, I can't, I think this is now his floor here, um, sort of 13, 14, because I, 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 I 
he's going to go earlier if he's going to carry on. And like we said, if, if he carries on in this trajectory, just like carpets, like I said, the carpets, he ain't going to be there at 23 if he carries on playing like he is. If Devonta Smith carries on playing like he is, he'll flip-flop with, with Jamar Chase because people forget about him. And we've all discussed this this week when we've been doing this, that how do we treat these opt-outs? Because I've got yeah. five or six opt-outs in the first round here. How, but how do they affect? Because they're not going to play for a whole calendar year. And can you tell me that a lot of those are actually NFL ready from last year? I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. And I think we're, we're all going to have a lot of sort of, I want to say fun with it, because I don't think it'll be fun. I think it'll be difficult <laughs> to, to mix and match where these players are going to go. And interestingly, in April, is to see actually how it has affected these players and where they will go. Will Jamar Chase be a top 10 guy? Will Devonta Smith overtake him? Because he's been in, been playing this year at a lights out level. Um, and, and players that, um, you know, I've, I've got quite, it's like I said, I've got five or six in, in the first round. Will they still be there? I don't know. If um, if teams are not put off by the opt-out and Jamar Chase goes in the top five, um, Devontae Smith is the guy that will cause like trade-ups from that yeah. six to ten range because we're talking about Rondell Moore and, and Waddle is similar as well. These guys, that um, they're quick. that You can put them in the slot. Devontae Smith can challenge you on the outside one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why I liked him going to the Lions because the Lions receivers at the moment are the guys that you can picture just moving inside and Devontae Smith on the outside, just challenging guys down the sideline. And that's the sort of, that's the sort of guy that will, um, that will cause trade-offs, I think, mm. especially if he carries on his form from this season, because yeah, he's, he's really rising. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I've, after all that talk about uh, Devontae Smith, I feel like I've undervalued and I've got him 16 for the Dolphins. So going and getting that link up, uh, but dropping to that second of the first round picks. And that would be a lovely haul. I'd imagine for you, Andy, if they're getting Saul at uh, four and Smith at 16. Delighted, mate. I honestly, I mean, I've got us going um, O-line with the, with the second pick, I think. Um, and that that just kind of feels necessary to me because I don't know if any of you guys managed to watch any of the Dolphins on, on Sunday, but um, there's a lot of like um, protection over the Dolphins O-line from like the beat writers and, like the fan base at the moment, and it's improved since last year. But honestly, like anything's an improvement on last year, uh, and and we're still relying on like people like Jesse Davis, who is a, just a, like an open door to to tour on Sunday. So I mean, I've got to go and Wyatt Davis there, um, and because I think I do believe in Austin Jackson, I don't think we'll go uh, like can I? Well, I don't know. It's difficult because Sewell's like you can't really pass on him, can you? He's like that. Yeah. The first like position that isn't a quarterback, which you which you can't pass on up there. So if he's sat there, maybe we'll take him. But I can see us trading back a bit in the first this time around, especially if we're we're picking that high. Which again, I don't think we will be because the Texans have had uh, like an awfully difficult run to start the season. So I think we'll drop back down to like tenth, eleventh, picking with their pick, and then. And then even deeper with our own pick because it's a playoff team, man. That's mm. it's yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I was um, going to point out that um, I got Dylan Moses, the Alabama linebacker, going all the way up at four as the Dolphins' first pick. Um, I love Dylan Moses. He's the reason Micah Parsons isn't linebacker one. <laughs> and that's saying something because Micah Parsons is good. Um, Moses is going to keep... The stock's going to keep going up all season. I've, I said it for like a while since he's he got injured last season that um he's beast and he's he can do he can go sideline sideline he can come down he can do a bit of everything and i'd like the the fit in going moving him into the dolphins defense so having him all the way up at four which is probably as much higher than most people had him but uh 
That's how Dolphins, I see. Dolphins defense looked pretty good on Sunday, didn't? Do you, do you need him? He's a linebacker, I think. Um, we've only got like Jordan Baker in there, and then a couple of like other runs along. Like Carb, I know is good, but more he's playing more off the edge for us this season. So, yeah, I, I take him. I'd quite happy take him. Maybe not. I was, I was looking at depth chart, and it, there just seemed to be a gap in the middle Drops of the off. linebacker. Yeah, it really drops off. One, one other one I was going to quick mention is uh, Lee. You're the only guy that hasn't got your own charges taking uh, an O-line man uh, at eight, you've gone for the cornerback. Uh, what do you reckon? Like, are, we, are we being unrealistic? or No, not at all. I, it's something I was going to actually bring up because I wanted to kind of pivot back to your pick, which I'm sure we will in a second. But no, for me personally, I don't really mind which way round it is, but we're dying for a corner and we're dying for a tackle. If it comes the way that you guys have it, it's a tackle coming first. I don't really mind. It really depends on how the board falls and how high we got that draft order. Because obviously, if we, if you know, if you're saying that the Dolphins might come up the draft order and sorry, come down the draft order, we we might be going up it because we're playing terrible football at the minute. And if we're you know in touching distance of Saul, I'd love to trade up. I know we did a trade up last year um, for Murray, and it's not that was like super not like Tom Slesko to do that. That was really really surprising. I couldn't actually believe it when we did that. But um, if you know if we're in touching distance, um, I'd love to go and get him because. For me, he's the best player in college football and I'd just love to have him. And obviously you've got Herbert there and you've got that instant connection straight away and that relationship. So yeah, I, I, I don't really mind. The, the reason why I went for Sertain rather than uh, a tackle is because I'm not in love with Alex Leverwood. I know he played guard and he's nice kicked out to tackle and I know that you'll talk about your guy who's, who's done that as well, Andy. But I just, I just don't love him. I just don't love him, especially at eight. Um, I think it's a bit high for him. And as much as Kieran was correct before, um, Sam Cosme is really, really full of potential. But again, I just think it's a bit high. I'd rather look at someone else in the second round and get a top-level corner like Sertain. And that's that's why I decided to do it that way around. But no, no, you, you guys are correct. I wouldn't be um, upset at a tackle going to the Chargers at, um, in the top of the first round at all. Well, yeah, if um, if I'm the New York Jets, you're going to have to trade all the way up to one to get Panay so. <laughs> This is actually what I wanted to ask you that I said I would leave um, and we'll come back to um, Andy's tackle pick for the Chargers in a moment. But do you think that Penai is the best player in college football or is is he is that with a pick for the, ja- the Jets sorry, yeah. because he wanted to save Donald? Or is, why, why, yeah. What was you thinking behind it? Trevor Lawrence is the best player and is going to be the best player in the draft. And I just went with it just because I think that Sam Darnold deserves more protection and he deserves um, and it's that it's that match isn't it the player team match mm. I know that uh, as I said at the time when it's personal preference going against what you think is actually going to happen and I think that the Jets probably are going to take Trevor Lawrence at number one if which is tough on Sam Darnold but um <laughs> And also back to what uh, you were saying about the, the charges, if they drop a bit, as in win more games and get like a pick in the teens, you could probably get someone like Caleb Farley and the drop off the depth of the tackle class is better to then find yourself a tackle in the second round. I think yeah. that's probably the way to go. I think if you stay in those top eight places, then I think maybe try and get yourself a tackle first. I yeah, so I was kind of thinking who would you know in terms of if obviously we didn't do a second round, but if if I was thinking I was thinking you know Satane and then some maybe someone like Dylan Redunds, you know the top of the the second round. But like I said, I wouldn't be upset either way. I think I think it works both ways as long as for me anyway, as long as the first two picks for the Chargers in the draft are tackle and corner in some way, I'm I'd be happy. I'd be happy. 
But Andy, you, you mentioned obviously a rogue pick and obviously we'll come back and we'll circle back around. And obviously you've got a, a USC tackle, well, tackle guard um, coming to the Chargers at eight. Yeah, man. I mean, I absolutely love Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, like, absolute unit. And, and as I, I think I put a tweet out during the game mm. um, on, on Saturday, just showing getting out in front of the run. But I literally spent most of USC's game uh, on Saturday just glued to that O-line. And there was just nothing getting past him. He was passing things off so easily along the line in the in, in the passing game, and just like creating gaps at the time for, for the for the running backs behind him. So I, I love him. I think he's one of those guys that's going to uh, like slowly creep up a bit, like uh, Austin Jackson did uh, last year to, for, for us. Um, obviously, again, could be could be pretty early for, for him to, to, to be fair at eight, but. He, he for me, he's got all the kind of raw skills to do it. And I, I agree with what you say on Leatherwood. Uh, I think that's a bit early for him. Uh, and, and like Vera Tucker's on the, like a team where his his talents are kind of like emphasised because it's not like a you know best O line in the, in the league sort of thing, which you could like make a case for like Alabama and, and that calibre of team. So his skills are getting emphasised every week. Uh, and I really like the the kind of. The, the West Coast familiarity for, for the Chargers as well. I, I just all, just all that, that fits for me there. And if not, I can see him, um, you know, going very soon after that. If not, I mean, I, I've actually gone completely rogue and put Walker Little going to uh, the Bengals at 11, which is like another opt-out, but um, what, another fantastic player who, you know, is, is obviously not not doing well because of because he's opted out, opted out and an injury instead of the past. But I love that those guys there. Um, a couple of underrated uh, linemen for sure. Yeah, I think we talked about it, didn't we? After we were watching the game, obviously not together, but we were watching and texting. And I, I like that Vera Tucker's played guard and now he's kicking out to tackle. It's one game, it's not, not a sample size that we, we can write on about yet, but look very, very comfortable. And, and yeah, the Chargers do definitely like to draft local as well. So having him on the doorstep, especially because there's only limited visits and things like that now. Obviously with COVID, that could play a factor because um, you know, it's going to be easier for the Chargers to kind of get out to uh, the local area rather than go across the country to look at other tackles. Yeah, so I, I I just dropped that for a minute there, but um, going back to Leatherwood, um, and like I said to you, Andy, about you put him to the Colts. Um, if he kicked into guard, that'd be perfect, um, because that is the one position that you know we've got um, Glowinski at the moment, who's our right guard, um, who is our the weak point in that team. Uh, but we've just signed Costanzo to another couple of the, couple of years, and Braden Smith is like one of the best right tackles in the league. So um, I think that I'd love it if he yeah. did come. I think that it, that would really, really, really would be the icing on the cake for that O-line. Um, um, but I don't know. I, I think, would I want another offensive lineman when I know that we've got four out of five who are like quality? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I saw, I think Costanzo's contract is like you can get out of it after this year. It's costing you $17 million a year. Just see yeah, He's, he's still at a high level though. That's the thing. Like, he, like he's he's thirty one, I think, or thirty two. Um, is I think we signed to a two year deal. So, uh, yeah, I don't hate it. Like, if if we picked up Alex Everwood, I would not hate it at all. Um, but I just think that there's bigger issues. Like, we need an edge rusher. Uh, I know this edge rusher is class is not great but there might be one of those guys that we've spoken about um one guy that i've had got in there or two guys that i've got in there that i don't think you guys have is is carlos basham from wake forest mm. and chris rumpf chris rumpf i really like from duke um watched a bit of tape on him and I, I think he's potentially a first run talent um i've got him going at the end there so 
look, there there is a lot of possibilities for indie being uh, so being an indie fan. I'm I'm not going to uh, sort of. Uh, push my nose up to anyone if they draft uh, to be honest but um, I don't know I just don't think tackle would be the position but if it is like I said that'd be great One one thing that I wanted to mention kind of before we finish um, is obviously Trey Lance is someone that we talked up with someone we talked about on the podcast and um, mm. there's an outlier isn't there amongst us I think we've all got him going relatively high but Andy is this because you're on the Zach Wilson hype train you've, you've you've kind of ditched um, Trey Lance a little bit. You got him going 32 to the Steelers. Yeah, it is. And I, and I just think this year of all years, the kind of stuff you've already got on film, uh, everything makes a difference. And we all saw like Trubisky a couple of seasons ago, one season of like top cut, like decent, like, you know, it was, it was a projected um a projection that the Bears made on Trubisky. I'm not comparing them as players, but I'm just saying that one season mm. quarterback um, you sort, of, sort of thing. And then if you add in with Lance, the kind of calibre of people he was playing against, uh, I just think he, if anyone slides, it could be him. And I think, like, obviously, I think that the, the, the um, Bears need a quarterback. So I, I've given them Kyle Trask, which, like, obviously is like another projection. But... <laughs> I think that the, the kind of guys that Matt Nagy likes to work with are your kind of traditional pocket passers and that sort of thing. So that, that kind of made a bit more sense than Lance for me. And then with the Steelers, I just thought after so long with Big Ben, uh, I just thought Mike Tomlin might fancy a change. I thought like uh, that, that kind of style of quarterback getting out of the pocket a bit and everything would be uh, probably quite revolutionary up there in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I wanted to drop him completely out of the first round, but I, I thought the Steelers would take a quarterback um, because they've got a very complete roster other than that um, and they need the future there to learn. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I squeezed him in at the end there because I don't think there was, a, there was, a, there was a, like another road quarterback I would quite promote <laughs> that, that highly. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I mean, we, I think I've got him seven. Someone else has got him seven as well. But I, I, I can buy into exactly what you say. I think he could slide for sure. Um, I was kind of keeping him in there uh, because I didn't know what else to do with Washington, to be honest, at this point. I know that they'll be just ditching Dwayne Haskins. However, saying that, though, I know that we've got uh, someone else who's an outlier in this and doesn't have him in the first round at all. Yeah, when you uh, said, oh, yeah, we've got an outlier, I thought you were referring to me because yeah, I've not got him <laughs> no, anywhere no, near the first e- round. Even bigger outlier, I know that from our past conversations. Um, but uh, as has been mentioned, obviously quarterbacks get um, overdrafted and he probably is going to go in the first round. Um, but they, no, I've, I didn't put him in. What what is it? What is it about? Obviously, I know you've kind of mentioned it before, but give it to yeah, anyone who's not. Kind like, of it, it, it's team fit as well. I couldn't like. There's no way I'm putting him in the the top ten, and then it, it just didn't it didn't fall. I mean, he probably would have been considered uh, to the Bucks or to the Steelers right at the end, but yeah, he didn't didn't find a home. I think we're I think we're all singing off the same hymn sheet, but slightly different versions. Because, like Lee said, you had him at seven of Washington. That's what I've got him. But just go, just reading a little tiny bit off my off my article, which is now live. Uh, I thought I I hate this pick because I don't think Lance warrants being a first round pick, let alone a top ten pick. I just struggle to see how an FCS quarterback that good um, can be that good, but won't play in the FBS where are his aspirations. Being a big fish in a small pond doesn't work for me. However, it's as it, if he has as much success as former Bison quarterback Carson Wentz and I guess it's justified now what I did was I like matching him up to Washington because 
if you look at Washington's first round drafts at quarterback, it is a special group of players. Let me mention who their last four quarterbacks that they drafted in the first round were. Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> Robert Griffin III, uh-oh, no ankles, no legs, no knees, uh, Jason Campbell, <laughs> and Patrick Ramsey. <laughs> They are all the first round draft picks that they got a cornerback since uh, since the year 2000. And they've all been terrible. So we might as well add it in <laughs> Trey Lance. If he's going to go anywhere, he's going to go to Washington. <laughs> so that's uh, it's putting the doomsday curse on him then if he goes there then. Yeah. yeah. If you're a first round draft pick at a quarterback and you go to Washington, you're not going to have a good career. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Any more for any more before we announce um, our competition winner? Uh, just to say this was a load of fun, man. We've got to do this again. Um, it's like an absolute mammoth task writing them, isn't it? Like you've got <laughs> ones, but like when you see them on paper and compare and stuff like that, it's great and, and it'd be good to like turn back to this at the end of the season and see see where we were right and wrong to start with. Yeah, for sure. No, no, it'll definitely develop. And I think we've kind of hinted at like a lot of the development that will happen uh, just throughout the season, these players dropping and falling and things like that. So yeah, for sure. And it's all a bit random, isn't it? As we said before, with the opt-out situation and, and kind of how teams are going to value that. One thing I will say is I think what you'll find out from the NFL in the next coming years from this draft class will be who's got good scouts and who doesn't because there's just not a lot of tape going knocking around, is there? And, and who, who, whoever drafts well out of this class will... Um, get almost double the value from it because some drafts uh, for some teams will be bad. But anyway, um, big celebration here at F10Y Towers. Obviously, the Follow College uh, count got to 350 followers and beyond uh, in the past week since we kind of lowered our expectations for this um, Bon Miller jersey. So I just want to announce the winner. Obviously, what you have to do, obviously, you've got to listen to the podcast first and foremost because we're not announcing it on social media. Um, but then again, if you heard that, you obviously listen to the podcast. So... I might just edit that bit out. Um, the winner is Mikey Richardson. So that's Mikey Boy underscore 21. Give us a DM to the full 10 yards college football account. You're the owner of a Von Miller jersey if you do that before the end of the weekend. So get in touch. Um, yeah, and we'll send that along to you guys. So yeah, well done to you. Um, and thanks for everyone for entering and thanks for following and continue to do so. Right then, yeah. So after that, there's nothing more to do but to, but to say... Uh, Thanks for listening. And obviously we'll give out a few handles and uh, then we'll get out of it. It's been a really long one. Glad, for, glad you stayed with us. Uh, thank you for if you did and if you didn't want, listen to it on times two speed. Um, but yeah, Andy, give us, give us your handles so we can get out of here. Yes, sir. AJ Moore 21 uh, normally and Dolphin UK underscore pod as well for all the celebrations and gloating as the uh, Miami Dolphins head to the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously I uh, recorded with you yesterday, so I'm not looking. I didn't wasn't looking forward to that for for our game coming up this weekend. So yeah, hit me up. Obviously, you you can you can obviously hear me on the Dolphin UK podcast as well this week, just for one week only. I'm sure uh, probably won't get invited back, but yeah, you can hit me up at Wakefield ninety for any. Uh, well, I'm not really going about any sport at the minute. It seems the Leeds lose four one every week now, and uh, as Chargers lose every week in the last second. So yeah, just hit me up for I don't know random chats about other things, I guess. But yeah, um, Liam, where can we find you? I'm here um, on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Loads of NFL stuff, loads of college football stuff. All my work with full ten yards college football. Um, Liam66NFL draft for the next half a year because we're going. <laughs> into draft mode um there's gonna be loads of stuff on my page based around the draft um i've also got a few things um in the pipeline that i can't announce yet so there's a little oh, sneak preview and yeah. teaser for everybody 
So, um, yeah, follow on. Nice one. And then for all the Notre Dame gloating, where can we go for the next week or so? You can go to at FFBritBaller. Uh, come tell me how good Kyron Williams is. If you don't think he's very really good, then get out of my mentions. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a good week. And looking forward to the Colts and Titans this uh, on Friday, as I'm not at work. So it'd be nice to stay up and watch that. Um, but yeah, uh, Lee, as, as a Leeds and, and Chargers fan, welcome to my life. I've been living this life for the last 10 years, being a Norwich fan <laughs> and an indie fan. So welcome in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think the football will turn, but it's uh, yeah, it's not been fun the last couple of weeks. And just to just give Kieran's handles, Kieran's uh, uh, dropped off because he is with the live stream on the Monday night, which you would have been able to see. Obviously, we're um, recording from the past, but he is at DCCYT Football. And, and I'm not going to give out all these puns that he has for his names, but yeah, just hit him up there for all the nonsense that he's talking about LSU. But yeah, like I said before, um, thanks for listening. Obviously, a super long one this evening. Uh, we've had lots of fun putting it together. Hope you've had a lot of fun listening as well. And um, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.